Hello, I'm Joe, this month's host of The Commentarians. And I'm Matt Linder. I'm a music writer, former podcaster, and podcast producer. <laughs> and we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survived, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Welcome, everyone, uh, to this month's uh, episode of The Commentarians. Uh, I'm here with Matt Linder. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, just a bit tired today. Yeah. Yeah. It's been... It's been a long, heavy week. Yeah, it has. <laughs> As we're all waiting for the results of the presidential election. So yeah, this this episode comes out on the fifteenth, as every uh, movie episode comes out. So it might be decided by the time you guys uh, figure it out. But we're uh, in the past, <laughs> I, right? You know, trying to figure out. I mean, let's be honest; it's pretty decided. It's just not official, official. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, barring any litigation and trials. Uh, yeah, we, we, we got it all figured out pretty much. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been stressful for a lot of people. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, uh, we to say have, the least. Yeah. We have a little, a lot of different, a variety of different opinions out there in our listenership. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm sure you guys know where I stand if you've heard the episode, the, the podcast before <laughs> at all. And I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, talk about your point of view, Matt, uh, soon, <laughs> but you know, I mean, just considering your blog, do you want to tell us about your blog? Oh yeah. So I am starting this month, a Substack newsletter. They'll come out once a month and it's going to be on, uh, it's going to be on rap music, different, um, songs, albums, the culture, and I'm looking at through the lens of race and religion hmm. and exploring the intersection of all three of those. Uh, guys like some serious stuff in there, but uh, I'm going to have fun stuff in there too. Dance breaks. I got like a playlist of uh, songs that like kind of hit race and religion in hmm. hip hop. And then I uh, got some fun like social media things that I've found uh, that'll be in there each month. Yeah. And then I'll always provide some way where you can actually um, take some action mm. and in fighting against racial injustice. So um, yeah. That sounds great. And I'm sure that'll probably come up here just because of the, uh, the topic of uh, empathy and uh, you know, bearing each other's cross, which is why you picked this movie. Right. Uh, so uh, we will get into that. So let's just get started with a movie. The movie is Lars and the Real Girl uh, from uh, 2007. It is PG-13. Uh, we are paused at zero. 
So if you guys are watching along, then we're going to count down three, two, one, and then press play, and then you will press play. Uh, if not, then that's okay. Uh, the conversation will be broad enough that you can uh, be. Uh, you don't need to be watching the movie to for it to make sense. So uh, let's get started here. Uh, ready? Three, two, one, play. Okay, we got the Metro Goldwyn Mayer Lion roaring. Yep. Is that what you got? Yep, that's okay. what I got. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, the movie has started. Sydney Kamel, uh, Kimmel, sorry. I, I'm really bad at reading. Like Jimmy Kimmel? Yeah, right? Kimmel. Yeah. Or Kimmel. Kimmel. <laughs> so you picked Lars and the Real Girl. Um, yes. It is a very not adult movie. It is very sweet, very nice. Surprisingly innocent. Surprisingly <laughs> innocent considering that there is a sex doll involved. But that's yes. part of the charm is that you figure, oh, this is there's a sex doll here. It's weird. And that's what the reaction of most people when they when it first comes up. But it completely changes right after, which is part of the brilliance of this movie. Yes, indeed. So uh, why did you pick this movie? Right now we have Ryan Gosling uh, hiding out in his garage. He's living uh, this. This movie takes place in a small town. Uh, where uh, Ryan Gosling's character, Lars, he lives in a garage off of his uh, his brother's home who is married to his wife, and they live in the house, and he's living in the garage. And he's incredibly shy and yes. antisocial, socially awkward. So why did you pick this movie, uh, Matt? Oh, man, it is such a deeply Christian film, and I think it's interesting because it, it was – written and directed like by those who don't necessarily claim Christian faith. Right. But it, it just so much captures loving others and bearing one's another's burdens. And especially just like, as like a, a faith community, mm. like if you're grieving, the rest of the faith community is grieving with you right? and you're bearing one another's burdens and you're doing it together. That's Yeah, that is exactly what this movie is about. Mm -hmm. And it is really cool that Lars is a Christian. He goes to yes. church and, yep. uh, and he has friends in the church and, you know, I, I find that really, really great that a, a lot of times in Hollywood movies, they make Christians like the bad guys, which they right. they are here and they are some <laughs> of them. But for the most part, they're all just good people and they follow their Christian faith and uh, acting as Jesus would. And which is a, a, a great, you know, thing. It's, I don't know. It's a, it's done really well in this movie. Yeah. It's very ref refreshing. Yeah. Especially in the, you know, <laughs> the environment we've been in for the past yeah. four years or more, seeing lots of Christian leaders excuse all sorts of nonsense and sin and evil. Right. And, <laughs> you know, and covering up evil. Right. Which yes. is the heartbreaking part. Right. Um, and that's why, I mean, in my estimation, I think a big part of that is because. Christian leadership is dependent on one person, the draw, which is the pastor. Everyone looks to him as the leader. And if he does something horrible, the entire thing collapses. And so the elders who are supposed to be holding him accountable, 
tend to just either try to cover it up or overlook it or something because so much is dependent on one man, which is usually a man. Right. Yeah. And, and when we're recording this, it, it just come out about Carl Lenz Mm -hmm. with Hillsong. Mm. Oh yeah. That, that his church, you know, fired him because he had a extramarital affair. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but they've been boosting up for a while, but I mean, good on that church for holding him accountable to his, his sin and then taking, you know, decisive action and ensuring that because he was in, you know, this grievous sin that he was no longer qualified to lead the church. Right. So, Mm. so I guess it's sad that that happened, but it is, there is a, I mean, the bright spot is that there they had good, other faithful leaders in that church yeah. could handle things properly. Mm. I just want to also say the scene that was before this where their church and the pastor saying, you know, like love one another. Yeah. It's love. That's, that's like the thesis statement of this movie. It's that he says right. that um, we needn't ask what to do because we already know what to right. do. And that's love one another. And, Right. Uh, he says that love is God in action. And that's oh. basically what this film is about. And so, yes. yeah, that's the, basically the theme of this movie. And I, I just love how it's acted out. Yeah, I think that's what's really great is that there's so much talk of that. Mm-hmm amongst Christians about loving neighbor and really, you know, this like, it's like super on the nose. That's like, Hey, this is what, <laughs> what <laughs> this movie's going to be about. Yeah. It's like the process of seeing how that is played out mm. in people's actions. Yeah. In their normal daily lives mm. is something really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. And so we're right now we're uh, we were at church and now we're at back home with uh, Lars's brother and sister-in-law who his, his sister-in-law wants him to come over for dinner, just wants him to be a part of the family. And his brother is just like, well, that's he's just weird. He's just a loner. You can't make him do some do that. And, and she's just determined and again because she loves him because they are family and wants what's good for him and he just does not want any part of social interaction and it's i can't imagine how difficult that is if your family member doesn't want to yeah yeah that's like yeah that's got to be so incredibly challenging but that uh, her persistence is just so admirable. Yeah. And I, I mean, if like, I, I just think of like my own children and my wife, if they were suffering from a delusion or mental illness Mm -hmm. in huge ways, like I would pursue after them. Yeah. 
and I would not stop trying to love them. I went like, ah, yeah, I would just keep on going and going, going after them. Yeah. And, but that's the thing is that we have the two different people. We have the sister-in-law who, and not just the sister-in-law here we have, he gets to work and the secretary's trying to engage him and telling him, Hey, there's a new, the new girl's kind of cute. Maybe you want to talk to her. And again, he's really uncomfortable. He does not want any, you know, does not want to talk to her, (laughs) you know, and so it's there's that separation where the brother says well, that's the way he is so let's just leave it at that if he wants to hang out with us then he'll come over if he doesn't we shouldn't force him and it's really difficult to find out which one to do because if somebody does not want to participate it's easy to just say okay fine if that's what they want but it's it's probably not the healthiest way to do it right because how many people in the world are like lonely, just incredibly lonely? And because they're lonely, they do not want to, you know, like a switch goes off where they just don't want to be a part of, you know, society anymore. Right. And it can be difficult, very difficult to find that balance of, you know, how much do you bug them and, but and like, how much do you leave them alone? Mm. I mean, you're. I mean, you're not gonna want to leave them alone, but you. There's like only so much. Yeah. <laughs> you can do, uh, like I have a ten year old who's going through puberty, mm. and she also has a lot of anxiety, uh, which 2020 just has exacerbated even more i can imagine and so but she's also with going through puberty she's at the age where she's gaining more of her independence and wanting to like she's wanting me there to comfort her through things but she's always so like pushing me away yeah so it's kind of hard to figure out like well is this an instance of you like i'm going to hide in my room because i want you to come in and like ask me what's going on. Are you okay? Or is this really an instance where you're like, I just need a moment by myself right? to be by myself and not have interrupt, interrupt me. And here it's just a, <laughs> such a <laughs> right. sweet situation. He, he comes home, the sister-in-law runs out and like gets in front of his car and says, "Come on, you come in." He, he keeps making and then tackles him and then tackles him <laughs> because he just wants to get 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 into the house, right? <laughs> and I think that's, I think, when when the Bible talks about loving in you know in truth, mm-hmm. like a lot of times. Uh, like in American Christianity, we think like, oh, we got to just, you know, <laughs> pound the Bible at them in their face yeah, <laughs> with the truth and stuff like that. Oftentimes it looks like, you know, tackling a person in love <laughs> <laughs> said, hey, you need to come be with us and being present with us because we love you. <laughs> yeah, You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like pounding Bible verses over someone's head yelling at them about it you know yeah or going to twitter rant at them or something (laughs) 
because I, I think that, and we, we've, I've talked about this with, uh, with Emily and Nathan, the host of the, uh, the co-host of the podcast where how a big part of it, I think a big problem is that Christians are so out of touch with the world, with anybody who's not inside the church that they don't realize ah. what other people hear or see when they see us acting that way. We think we're justified. We think we have a good reason for it because we have all these Bible verses to back it up. But if they don't see that, if they, they don't perceive that, then it looks really terrible. And again, a part of it is also the lack of understanding. If you don't empathize with somebody, you're not going to treat them well. If you look at them as your enemy, you're not going to feel anything for them. And it's going to be that yeah. much harder to reach them. Right. So I, I, I think that that's a big problem is the, the lack of empathy. And, you know, it's not that Christians don't care. It's just that they don't know. They don't spend time with people outside of their faith. Right. Yep. And yeah, and I think it's interesting, even even those who, you know, come to faith later in life than grow up in the church, you know, mm-hmm. that a lot of us who are like that um, don't, um, what am I trying to say? They, uh, we forget so easily mm. how we were before Christ found us. Yeah. That we were in so much sin, we we're doing whatever. And then once Christ finds us and we're saved, then we forget to then extend the same grace to others who are not in the same saved state we are now. Right. Well, well, and that's kind of the point, right, of Christianity. Right. The whole idea is that Jesus Christ came to earth to save people who did not deserve it. And right. what is supposed to what we're supposed to come away with from that is that we need to extend that to other people as well because we didn't deserve it and we got it. And, uh, yeah, it's in spite of what we've done, in spite of everything. And so, yeah. Oh, here it comes. Yeah. Here's the scene. <laughs> uh, earlier in the movie, he got to his desk and his desk mate was like, what was like looking at sex dolls on the Internet because he's and it, it you know, it's kind of uh, implied that he's kind of a pervert. He's always talking to Lars about pornography and it makes Lars really uncomfortable. But, you know, I guess Lars got an idea from that. And here he is coming home to his new, uh, to his delivery. Yep. Very big box. Yeah. <laughs> so here he is. Interesting. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's now he's just like staring at the box like not knowing what to do he's like in the right. rooms of his house staring at it and oh and he oh i, I missed this the first time he dressed up for 
the occasion. Yep. Doing his hair for for his new girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> and this is what's kind of important to realize is that Lars now goes over to his brother's like to the house uh, and ask, you know, and now he's asking for favors. He's talkative. He's happy. He's in a good mood, which is a different Lars than they've known. Right. And so he's mentioning to them that uh, he has a new girlfriend, that she doesn't speak much English, <laughs> that, you know, he and he needs, you know, she's a missionary and she needs a place to stay. Right. And they don't and know it, yet what's. <laughs> yeah, it's very striking that he's the one that's coming over to the house. Yeah. Instead of them going after pursuing him, he's willingly coming. Which is part of what inspires them to, you know, kind of participate in the whole, you know, what they call a delusion. Right. Yeah. Is that he is a change. He seems pretty different now. He's, he's in a good, like I said, he's in a good mood. He's talking to them. He's asking them favors and. You know, smiling. So yeah, smiling and like you know, probably inviting himself to dinner. It's so on some level he needed this for some reason, right? And so again, he they they still don't know because he's all he all he's doing is talking about his girlfriend, who's in a wheelchair yeah. and who needs a place to stay. Yeah. And I I will say this because this is going to keep coming up. He's asking a lot from of them to take in a stranger into their home. And they think nothing of it because they love him. Yep. They want to do this for him. And that's kind of what, and again, that's, yeah, I'll talk about that later. But that's a scene that made me emotional is when she's describing to him how much everyone loves him. You know. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> there might be. Yeah. Yeah. So. There may be lots of instances where I cry coming up. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> so they're like, yeah. Right now he's telling them that you know I have a new girlfriend. I need a place to stay. And he and they're like, wow. They're happy. They're excited. <laughs> yeah. You know they're you know they're set, they're cleaning up the house and like you know setting up the bedroom and he's about to come over with his new girlfriend. And then, here they see. are. <laughs> okay. So if you're not watching, it's literally Lars sitting on the couch next to a yep. giant rubber doll in a silver outfit. Yes. And talking about her and to her as if she's a real person. And they are dumbfounded. And, But again, when's the last time he actually came over to sit on the couch? Right. You know, and I think that that's a big part. Like, I mean, right now they're scared for him. Again, because they love him, they don't know what's happening and they're scared for him. They don't know what to do. Right. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I just imagine myself in this situation. I don't, it'd just be so incredibly awkward. Yeah. I'd be, Awkward, concerned, but also just like, yeah, wanting to get him help. Yeah. Like, what's 
what's going on? What's what what is this happening? Also thinking, you know, is this a, is this serious? Is he playing a route with us? Is he playing a joke on us? <laughs> like what? I mean, just all the ways your mind would go. I know. Yeah, she says I like her reaction to him, uh, her husband. Like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just such an honest answer in that yeah. moment. You're like. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you really don't know how to deal with a situation like this. And, like, I, with people who are suffering from dementia, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, uh, I, I was hearing this story on, uh, on a podcast where a, a comedy couple, to a couple who are comedians, their grandmother was suffering from dementia. And because they took improv training just to, for fun one day, because they were so frustrated, they started playing along with her, you know, mm. with what she saw outside, with what she, you know, and it kind of made the grandmother happy. Like she wasn't frustrated with everybody because they were telling her that she's lying or that nothing's happening or, and, you know, that she became much more normal. Yeah, she saw monkeys playing on the trees outside. You know, they, and there weren't any. But if they said, "Oh, really? You want to go outside and play with them? Do you want to go crab one?" and you know, it just kept her calm. And you know, it's I, I again, I'm not saying that that's the best way to deal with it, but in this, uh, I think the the the, ex, the medical experts in the uh, in the show that they talked to said that sometimes that that's the best way to deal with it, and. I I don't know for such a heartbreaking situation you just want to help people you know you just want to help them and be there for them right I think that's we always think help has to look a certain way mm. and we yeah yeah coming up with like imaginative ways to deal in reality with what the person is going through, even if that means feet like going into their delusion, mm. you know, and in a Lars's case, it's, I mean, there's like one thing if like the delusion or the mental illness like going along with it is going to, you know, cause harm to the person or others. Right. Like, you know, physical harm or something like that. Um, but you know, particularly in Lars's case, like it's un, you know, it's unclear if going along with it is going to cause harm. Yeah. At all. <laughs> and or again, going along with it will be the best possible thing for him yeah because again what they know is that this is a sex doll and so my brother just brought over a sex doll what is happening and it turns out that no he's he's a christian he's not going to have sex with her they don't feel comfortable sleeping in the same room in the same bed (laughs) so even the same house (laughs) even the same house yeah Yeah. (laughs) so you know and again he treats her very sweetly like you know like a I know he's a very he's very he's a, he's a gentleman, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's not trying to be improper or mount her or (laughs) do any sex acts with her. And yeah, and so that's yeah, that's gotta be the other confusing thing about all this. Like, (laughs) you know, why a sex doll? (laughs) Like, Yeah. yeah. And so right now they're they're convincing him that maybe she needs to go to the doctor just to get a checkup since she's been traveling so much. Yeah. And, which again it's it's a ruse to get him to go to the doctor. <laughs> which right. is, you know, probably a wise thing. You know, you yep. want them to talking to somebody. Right. That's the thing too, is that so I mean does I guess obviously a a lie <laughs> that they're like going to get her to check up because really what they want is to get him checked up. Right. But they're doing, you know, was it Jesus says, you know, be like crafty as snakes or whatever. Mm, yeah. You know, it's not. It's because they're doing it out of love to encourage him to yeah. go to the hospital so that they can you know, have peace of mind about what's going on or get him the help that he needs. Uh, not, not because they're trying to do him harm. Right. <laughs> they're trying to do the very opposite. And, and that's the thing is that if they were to call him, like, you know, if he, they make fun of him or like yell at him and say, there's something wrong with you. That's not real. They're going to lose him. Yep. They're going to completely, you know, fall, you know, he's not going to talk to them anymore. You know, and so if they play along, then at least they can try to figure out a way to help him. Which, again, uh, if if talking to somebody in love and grace and understanding, if that can help somebody more than like accusing them and belittling them, I mean, would you, do you want to be right or do you want to help or do you want to be helpful? Right. You know, it's it's. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. That's a big challenge with any relationship yeah. you have with friends or family or spouse or children hmm. is are you what is what is your aim? Is it to, to love and to help or is it you're trying to prove that you are in the right in some way. Yeah, that can be, yeah, constant challenge for every human being, but even for Christians too, that can be a a challenge to, you know, because we want to, when we are in arguments or whatever, we want to be the one that's right. And it's hard to, stop and go like, okay, you know, I'll take the L. Does this matter that much? Mm. Does it matter more? Like, is it worth me damaging the relationship in some way for me to win? Right. And the majority of the time, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) The majority of the time, it's better to take the L to repent. Right. Ask for forgiveness and then work through it. But right now, it's a really difficult time to do that. 
because oh. it seems like the way people feel is I'm right. What you're doing is harmful. And they are just as passionately believe they just as passionately believe that as you believe what you believe that what we believe is harmful and it, uh, and it may, it gets really, really difficult to have a conversation in that situation, you know, when you're like in, in that place, Yes. you know, when I have heard every argument for why, you know, this person, we should vote for this person or we should vote for that person. And although I might disagree, I understand that, you know, I kind of get it. But what I don't understand is somebody saying that, no, absolutely not. Um, you know, if you vote for this person, then you are sinning. You are causing harm to that, you know, to this group of people. You have to vote for this other person. And to not have that understanding of somebody else's point of view is really, really, it becomes very difficult to try to, or to even have a conversation and through conversation is where we grow and learn and kind of change minds. Right. And it's also through that, that you can get underneath the surface of things mm. and find out, you know, what, what is caught, what is driving that surface belief? Yeah. And what, you know, is there like some emotion there there's fear or sadness or is there some trauma that happened in their past or and you're not going to know that without you know getting to a deeper level and having those conversations mm. with that person yeah yeah, yeah. um and I, I, the thing that i encourage people to do and everybody encourages somebody, talk to somebody that you disagree with and get to know them, you know, just talk to them and hash it out. And what I would argue is don't argue about anything with the person and don't listen to them to try to convince them or for them to try to convince you. Just be, just go out and be friends. Get to know them as mm. people. And then you'll, you know, and that helps, you know, not, not to change their mind and not for them to change your mind. Just getting to know a person as a human being makes you realize that, oh, these people aren't terrible. Because the way that I hear people talking about, especially in the Christian world, uh, socialism or liberals or far leftists, <laughs> or it is like, I mean, if I met those liberal socialists, far leftists, I would be terrified the way right. that they're described, you know? Yep. And then I look in the mirror, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a socialist. <laughs> but I mean, and that's the thing is that the people who know me say, oh yeah, but you're different. I'm like, no, I like, I mean, honestly, the people that they're describing, I'm one of them. I am that person. And it's not that I'm one of the good ones. It's that everybody is good and bad. You know, most people are more, you know, normal than the angry, violent, terrible people. Right. And I, th and I'm, I get the sneaking suspicion considering that I know a few, you know, of, you know, right wing folk and far right wing folk, not, not, you know, so far that they're hateful, but 
I've known enough people who I completely disagree with that they're perfectly nice people as well. And they just have a different view of the world. Right. And, you know, it, it becomes easier to talk things out if you see them as human beings. Right. You know, it's... And the shouting on the internet just doesn't help that. Yeah, the... It disem the the internet and social media is really good at disembodying mm -hmm. people and taking away. There's a real human pain behind the keyboard, behind the phone, mm. typing these words. Yeah, I've just there's there's been uh, another podcast I listened to that you know, just talked about this writer who wrote something and this person just trolled them hmm. online, like in comments and on social media for like years. And the, the writer, the woman, she just, just, it just took a toll on her and her mental health and her emotional state. And we often think that these, you know, these things happen like in a vacuum online and that you're just typing them out into the air or whatever. But these things like have a huge impact yeah. on people and it's, it's, we can't, as human beings, we can't separate like our digital lives from our real lives. Yeah. Like that we feel the same motions as when we read things on social media, as if we were to hear them straight from a person yet, you know, speaking them out of their mouth. And, um, yeah, I think that's a very difficult thing for, you know, a lot of us to realize that there is a human being yeah. that's made in the image of God that's behind those typed words on that screen. Mm. And when you, when you begin to like think that way, then you approach, can approach things differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Cause it's been, and I, I just noticed it myself that <clears throat> when, I talked, I've, I spoke, you know, I grew up, I'm, you know, pretty left. And uh, I, because I'm an evangelical Christian, I'm surrounded by conservatives. And so I volunteered at Bible camp, you know, and I found the nicest, sweetest people there. Just really great, you know, people trying to help me, you know, understand the Bible and, you know, to, like to help me, like, you know, get along with the kids and stuff. But then, you know when we get home, you know, not, you know, that was during the summer, during the regular school season, you know, when we get into a debate online, they, they become really condescending, really insulting mm. because when you're online, it doesn't seem like, and again, they're not that terrible person when we're face to face, but for some right. reason, when they're typing it online, I don't know if, I become an amalgamation of all the people that they argue with online or, 
if that's just the mode that they turn into when they're online. And I myself have like, you know, been really, <laughs> really mean. Yep. Me too. <laughs> when I, I would never act this way. Even if I don't say the, like I'm will you know, I don't say anything terrible or mean, but I, I talk in a really aggressive and, you know, kind of belittling way online that I would never talk to somebody that way in person. It's it, it, there's something that ha yeah, the internet is just a strange thing. It's so yeah, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> this. but uh, so yeah, so. Yeah. He went, the doctor, they went to the doctor and the doctor talked to Lars. Mm -hmm. They like, you know, it's really nice. The doctor actually gave the, you know, Bianca, the, the doll, gave, checked her blood pressure, checked, you know, checked her vitals, <laughs> make sure that she's okay, you know, as kind of to, you know, to make Lars happy and then started talking to Lars as she rested, you know, quote unquote. And she, her advice to you know, to his uh, brother, to his brother and sister-in-law is, you know, just play along. Just, you know, just make him, just play along to make him happy because we don't know what this is or why he's doing this, but it's best if we just play along and treat her like his real girlfriend. And so because this is a small town, everyone has to, the, the, you know, his brother and sister-in-law have to tell everyone in town that he's going to be coming around and he's going to be bringing this doll. And we have to, if we love him, we have to kind of play along. And then this is the, uh, they, they went to his church to talk to his, uh, his friends there. Yep. And the pastor. And the pastor, yeah. And this is, I love this scene. Oh, yeah, it's so good. Because this is weird and nobody wants to play along. And he starts, to talk, <laughs> she starts saying, well, what about you? You, your cousin donated a bunch of money to a UFO club. And you, your mother puts dresses on, on cats. And, you know, so it just says everybody's weird. Yep. There's nobody Everyone who has isn't some weird. Quirk. Yeah. And right. that's kind of a thing that, like, I realized, like, again, I, I was talking to a friend who's saying this guy at college was really, really weird. He used to sleep with a stuffed animal. He's a grown-up. He's in, he's in college, and he's still sleeping with a... And I'm like, that is weird, but I'm sure I do weird stuff too that I don't want people to judge me for. You know? Yep. And, I mean, if we really look at ourselves in the mirror, honestly... We're all strange in some yep. way. And again, the uh, the pastor's uh, advice is, well, what would Jesus do? And so now she's, you know, the, yeah. Bianca, the doll, is in church. You know, and everyone's yep. just looking at him all weird. Yep. And his coworkers in the choir are just yeah. stunned and like, what is happening? <laughs> Because it's also pretty clear that she has a crush on Lars. 
Oh, the uh, the coworker. Yeah. 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 So she's probably very confused of like, you know, why is, why does he have this sex doll with him? <laughs> <laughs> but I also like him. Why a human being? <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, so and there you go. Like uh, they gave the you know one of the uh, members of the congregation gave her flowers, gave the doll flowers, you know to yeah. Yeah, and again, why are they playing along with this ridiculous delusion? What right. what good does it do them? And the reality is, it nothing. It doesn't do anything no. for them, but they love him. Right, and she's like putting. Changed her outfit just now. Yeah, the sister at home changed her outfit uh, and putting boots on and looked like she's struggling and <laughs> <laughs> fixing her makeup. <laughs> right. It's like that's a lot of work and effort. Yeah. For something that's, you know, not quote unquote real. You yeah. Know? But driven, like you said, by love for Lars. And this is like kind of an interesting moment because we see that he talks to her when other people are in the other room. So is he playing along? Is he? Is this just a, um, you know, something that he's putting on for other people? But he he takes Bianca to a part to a, like you know a, a space in the woods where he used to play when he was a kid. Like to show her where he grew up and where he used to hang out when he was a child, and he's treating her just like a girl, like you know, like it was his girlfriend, and yep. they're and he's all alone, so it's not like he's just doing this in front of people. It's he really, really sees her as his girlfriend, right? When did you uh, first see this movie? Because I, I remember when it oh came out. Oh my gosh! So this was like an, an indie movie, right? I think. Yeah. So I have a really interesting story about that, actually. <laughs> so I saw it. Uh, I think it was 2016 is when I saw it. Mm. And so the night before I saw this movie, I saw the, the Christian Mingle film. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's it's very silly and very shallow. And it's, it's, it's not what, good. What, yeah, not good. It's <laughs> what, you ex, what you expect of a, a, I guess, a Christian film, mm-hmm. you know? But it's like a Christian rom-com sort of deal. (laughs) And it was just... But then the next night is I watched Lars and the Real Girl. And just the difference between them was just so striking. Yeah. Like, here's a film that's being marketed as a Christian film. This Christian Mingle film. And, like, I got nothing emotionally from it. (laughs) Not moved. Like, story's terrible. (laughs) Like... 
everything about it was bad. And like, I didn't feel like, like it brought me to think about God or Jesus more. And like, just reflecting on who God is and everything like this. And then watching this film, it's like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Just like, it's like, it's amazing. Like, like seeing like God work in these people's lives and how he's moving through them and moving them towards love of one another Mm. and, and bearing one another's burdens. And I, that is just so (laughs) moving to me and just be like, wow, this is like, this is what Christian community should look like. And it was just like, this is so opposite of like the film that's like, oh, this is a Christian film. Yeah. And it's like, here's this film that is not marketed as that, but it, it gets at the truths of the Christian faith in ways that the other film did it. Yeah. And again, we can look at this as a guy, as a movie about a guy who has a delusion and we should all play along with it. But really, as Christians, we can look at it as anyone who is strange or different than us or who makes us uncomfortable. You know, because, again, the point isn't that Lars has a delusion. It's that there's something happening inside of him that is making that is causing this to happen. Right. He's sad. He's lonely. He you know, he there's something that he's missing that he's not getting and he he's using this you know doll to kind of fulfill something right and you know again it's it, the, that could be anything for any number of people and the idea is we need to engage them we need to you know help them and you know bring them into our lives you know if if that's what right you know, we're moved to do. Right. When the church I grew up in, I went to a Lutheran church growing up and there's this one guy there who was always just super, just a really super strange, just very awkward Mm. when talking to him. And I was just kind of, had difficulty having conversation with them and like I was a kid and everything. And so it was just uncomfortable for me because I didn't know how to navigate that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because I, I, and I hadn't had anyone like so strange in my life like that. And so I was trying to figure out how to best communicate him and not brush him off. And I failed really horribly at it. I just kind of just anytime I like he came and talked to me, I would just kind of like try to end the conversation as quickly as I could and go away. Right. And then uh, a couple years ago, my grandfather passed away and he was at the, at the funeral and he came over and said hi to me. Uh, said, I don't know if you remember who I am. I'm like, yeah, I know. I remember who you are. And he like talked to me and we had a really, really nice conversation and he was 
just wanted to like catch up on like what happened in my life. And he was telling me about his, and I was realizing this moment, like, okay, yeah, he's odd and a little strange, but that's okay. Like, like we had a really great conversation and just like as a kid, like I didn't know how to to deal with that. And also like part of me clicked that made me go like, okay, I also think that there might be something like deeper going on here with him than just being strange or odd that maybe he has like high functioning autism, like Augsburgers or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then like thinking that I was like, oh man, I wish, you know, like, I'd re- like I didn't know as a kid that I wish I'd realized because then I'd just been like, oh, like whatever, like that's just who he is. Whether he has Osbergers or not, I don't know, but like just um, that just helps to like like help to explain things in my mind, you know, mm. a bit, and just um, yeah. And even though, like, yeah, yeah, just going along, like, with him and, like, just m- meeting him, like, in his oddness and his weirdness, like, opened up for us to have, like, a conversation and, like, be real and, like, what was especially difficult yeah, <laughs> day for me. Yeah, wow. And so... um like we, 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 you said at the beginning, just having like being empathetic mm. and having a listening ear to someone who is different than you. And even if you don't understand it, you don't understand the strangest, you don't, you just like having the ability just to like let yourself go, let your guard down and just roll with it. Mm. And I've, I'm so glad I did because like I think back to that day when, uh, my grandpa's funeral and like um i remember that conversation with him that's like the strongest memory i have of that day is that conversation with him Mm. it's all because i i was like well i'm just gonna roll with this (laughs) and i'm just gonna be open right yeah that's a yeah that's really incredible Yeah. But yeah, it's um. Yeah, again, we keep going back to this because that's what uh, what we need to understand about the world, basically. Because how many people are out there that just don't get you know, I mean, how many people really don't like Christians just in general, right. just have a really bitter, angry view of all Christians, uh, you know, and it's because they've dealt with really terrible Christians. Some people, you, right. you know, just refuse to be spoken to, but, you know, and you, and you can't reach everybody. You just, but, you know, it, it's a, how many Christians just shut them off right away. Don't even give them a, sh- a chance or, and then that's what turned them off. 
Right. You know, uh, or or and the only interaction is a debate and an argument and being, you know, it's just going south really quickly, right, you know, right off the bat. Right. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life is just having a curiosity about others mm. and to find out what they're about. I think it's can be challenging for all of us to like when we're engaging with another person, talking with them to want to make the conversation all about us. Mm-hmm. I know. I know that's yeah. a temptation for me <laughs> <laughs> and I can't be the only one uh, to make it all about us and about our thoughts and our feelings and whatever. Um, but just being open to like learn about another person and what they enjoy, what they like mm-hmm. and being a curious, curious about the things that they're about, even if it's something that you're not about. Like as a parent, that's like, that's a lesson that you learn like all the time. Yeah. Um, my kids, they, they watch some ter- truly terrible, terrible kid shows, <laughs> <laughs> but they love it. And the joy they get from it just like, is much more to me than the annoyance of some show <laughs> and that they then act out the characters from the show all throughout the day <laughs> or like my oldest daughter she's always talking about tiktok videos and talk about roblox video game which <laughs> like i have barely any interest in those yeah but just hearing her like light up as she talks about those things, it's just so great. And like hearing why she finds those things so fascinating, interesting is like, is interesting to me, <laughs> even though it's those, those things that they're interested in are not my interest. Just hearing their love for those things just opens you up to, you know, other possibilities of how to see the world from their viewpoint. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This this party scene right here. Yeah. It's, I mean, super awkward for everyone that's attending there that he's bringing this sex doll. And a lot of them, it seems like this is the first time. Yeah. You know, that they're meeting. Bianca, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I think this is an important moment because this is the moment when the, like, everyone's like, okay, we all know this thing. We have to play along to help Lars, you know, yep. because we care about him and we want him to get better. But this is also the moment where things click for people, where they start to really be okay with it. Not just, right. you know, playing along and feeling awkward, you know, staring at this weird sex doll with Lars. You know, right. it's, it, it really becomes like, hey, I, I like like the girls were talking like they were in a group in a circle talking, you know, with the, with a couple of women talking and they were saying, oh, I'd love I'd love to have hair like hers. And, you know, it, it, they like were talking like they were people like, you know, it's. Yeah. yeah. 
and this and it, is where people kind of get used to it right away. Right. Yep. And even his like broy coworkers, yeah. <laughs> you know, they even participated by like, oh yeah, Bianca is super hard. You know, they're they're showing love in a very broish way, you know, right. but they're still they're still participating along, you know. Right. And again, this shows how awkward Lars is because, you know, some of the other people are dancing with Bianca. They're like, you know, spinning her in her chair and dancing and having fun. And he's just rocking back and forth with his eyes closed. And he's, I don't know if he's trying to have fun or if he's not having fun at all. Uh, Yeah. But he, again, everyone's playing along and nobody, people stopped looking at them weird. They all just started, you know, can like right. move, they moved on and again because a big part of it i think is that they're happy that lars came out yeah came out and he's actually interacting yeah with other people he's not secluding himself even though you can tell like in that scene where he's you know dancing by himself like his eyes are kind of wincing like you can tell that it's a challenge mm-hmm for him it is difficult for him to be in that situation but he's willingly putting himself out there and it's amazing how like the community has created this safe place for him yeah so that he can have some level level of comfortability instead of no comfortability at all because and and this is kind of a hard part for a lot of people this is weird. This is strange. This is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But how much work does it take to really play along? At the end right. of the day. At the end of the day, is it really that hard to just say, hey, Bianca, how's it going? Hi, Lars, what's up? You know, you might not... I, I, I don't know. It's, it, it seems like if it helps him or... Heck, even if you don't think it helps them, but they say it helps them, maybe it's good to just, okay, just to, you know, to have a conversation, to have a conversation beyond what we disagree on or how uncomfortable this is for me, to just talk as people if it takes just playing along. And I guess, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to, in a roundabout way, I'm trying to uh, talk about trans people. Mm. And, you know, talk, you know, using preferred pronouns. If you can engage with somebody and talk and make them feel like they're people, like you're like you're not belittling them. Is it right. that hard to just go like just just say, you know, talk, call them by their preferred pronoun at the end of the right. day? If, if our job is to engage with people, to talk to them, to love them in spite of right. your disagreements, in spite of whatever if you can break down that barrier, is it that hard? You know, we should look at it that way. Right. You know, it's, it it costs you so little Mm -hmm. in order to just go. Okay. Like, yeah, that's a small little thing. Yeah. But it's like respecting them you know, and, and their beliefs 
uh but but it's a way to then like connect right with them and again not to argue or debate just to get to know them as human beings right that's what really causes you know love to grow or you know how we can reach people you know we can mend a a really terrible broken world you know <laughs> nobody's going away okay nothing's going to go away nobody is going to change or go away so we can try to you know create a a more comfortable better world for you know f- for all of us right and I, I promise you god's work can you know can do much more in that space we can do much more with god in that space god doesn't need us but you know we can certainly use him i think it's yeah it's a good point also that you know jesus was not afraid to quote unquote you know dirty himself yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> like he you know it says you know he's tempted in every way that we are but he did not sin and if he was tempted like us, he can, you know, Holy Spirit can empower us in those moments where we're going to situations that might be tempting, you know, are might make us question our faith or something like that. Um, but like we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us through those moments and guide us through those moments and we should also like like if Jesus was not worried you know about hanging around with like the underprivileged underserved of his culture those that people looked at as just horrible you know complete sinners you know in prostitution basically Tax collectors are stealing from poor people, Mm. you know, like if he was unafraid about being associated with those people in order to love them and to show God's love to them, like, like how, like we shouldn't be afraid of that either. Yeah. Of that association. And like, I mean, especially like in conservative, like evangelical circles, you know, like, I think that's a huge thing, especially in the United States being like, like, oh, you got to be careful who you're hanging out around and who you associate with, you know, and make sure you only have other Christian friends or whatnot. It's like, no, no. (laughs) Like, how is, how is the gospel going to spread if you're only ever with others who are already saved. Yeah. Like you need to go around and like, it's good news for those who are sick. Yeah. Not for those who are well. Yeah. Like those are well, it's like, cool. You're in. That's awesome. Now let's go, let's go find all those who are unwell and tell them about the good news of Jesus that he is here for them now in the present yeah in this school earthly world and he will be with them forever 
in the new heavens and the earth, new earth. And that's such good news. And it can bring such hope Mm. to, you know, people and like, so yeah, it's, it's hard for me to like in this situation with Lars and the sex doll, you know, in like a conservative evangelical environment, like I don't think it would play out like this <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> and that's really heartbreaking well, to yeah. me. It's mean to me because it's like the, the first like thing is to, to judge and to go, um, well, that's just wrong. You shouldn't be around that. And you just need to stop that and cut it off. But like, if they had like a conversation and saw how Lars was with Bianca, like, it's like, no, he loves Jesus and he's trying to follow Jesus as best as he can in his life. And there's no impropriety here. He's not trying to have sex with the sex doll. You know, (laughs) He's like, even he's treating her as like a real human being and saying like, Hey, she needs, needs to live in my brother's house and not with me. And that like, he's created this whole backstory for her that she's a missionary and that she's a very godly woman too. And so, hmm. yeah, I just think like, they were just like, we're so like afraid to just associate ourselves with whoever we, you know, consider those sinners, you know, and worried that that's going to like sully our reputation and it will probably sully our reputation with other people who are Christians. Mm. I mean, it's sully Jesus reputation. Like they called him a drunkard and all these other things. (laughs) Drunkard. He hangs out with scissors and he's probably doing this and probably doing that. But like, it's like, that's just, you know, the reputation that we get from people and, you know, others, you know, of the faith, but like God sees that and he like glories in that and loves that because we're engaging and moving to the people that, you know, he is trying to call to him. Well, and a thing that really struck me, and I've been talking about this on Facebook a bit here and there, so I was maybe some of our listeners heard this, but a thing that really struck me, and it hit me because I've been listening to Jesus Christ Superstar a lot lately, uh, but uh, Simon the Zealot was an anarchist. He believed that we should kill Roman guards, like, you know, because they are oppressing Israel and... They're the enemy. Matthew collected taxes for the Romans. And they hung out together. Yep. And the Bible doesn't even mention that. Doesn't mention that this person is like this and they had arguments with one another or Jesus changed their minds. It doesn't mention it at all. That these two completely opposite people, you know, and would hang out together and minister together and eat together. And what the, what strikes me is that, and I was talking to my wife about this, like, isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? And she's like, yeah, but I mean, the Bible doesn't mention it because it doesn't matter. 
you know, at the end of the day. And I, and people are like, well, they, you know, I had friends telling me, well, you know, they just found something better than what they originally believed. And I don't think that's true. I don't think either of them changed their minds. I think that Mm -hmm. they found Christ in what they believed, but they realized that they could, you know, that their belief wasn't going, wasn't going to cause them to hate one another. Yeah. You know, which is what the problem it really is with a lot of people is that that separation of belief will, will cause us to not engage with one another, even within our own church. Right. Yep. So, and yeah, this is the moment that (laughs) I, I love this moment. So, uh, Lars comes home and he finds Bianca in her bedroom with his sister and, uh, one of his, uh, you know, one of his friends and they're dressing her up and they're doing her hair and they want to go out, you know, and he said, well, we had plans and they're like, come on, just let her go out. She deserves right. some time, you know, with her friends and Lars gets really, really, really upset because he wants a girl that is just for him, you know, that does what he wants, I guess, you know, which is, which is a flaw in Lars. He's not just this perfectly charming, you know, lovable guy. He, now he's showing his, you know, the negativity and. I'm starting to lose it. (laughs) I know this is powerful. (laughs) Just say, Oh, we do it for you. And, oh, yeah. So, so that's the thing is that, He's afraid that she's going to leave him because nobody cares about him. Nobody, that's what he feels. And that's kind of the point we're trying to, you know, to make is that that person doesn't know how how much people love him. And again, you know, during the movie, we showed that like, you know, you know, they were at the mall and, uh, you know, the woman who works at the dress shop invites them in and says hey can she work here we'll give her a job on mondays and wednesdays and you know she just basically sits in the store but it's part of the making lars happy you know right it's like well we'll give her a job quote unquote and she just sits in the store oh we'll uh you know she comes by the the hospital and like you know reads you know stories to kids and you know and it's it's sweet that they're playing along so much and he you know, because now she's, you know, developing her own life, quote unquote, <laughs> you know, they're taking her out. He gets really, really upset because he doesn't feel like anybody loves him. They like her mm. more than him. Right. And his sister gets so upset with him because she reminds him the reason we're all doing this is for you. We love you. That's why we do this for her, you know. And it's really... Oh, just that, that, that realization <sighs> that how much people love him and that right. he didn't even know it. Yep. Oh. And, yeah. And I mean, that moment also gets, oh, it can be so hard when you have someone in your family who suffers from mental health yeah. issues. And even if you're trying your best and loving your best, there are moments that you, it's just so taxing and so difficult. And you, 
you just lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's that, yeah, that moment is just so raw and just so real. And the, the woman I'm blanking on her name who wrote this screenplay, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what drove her to write this screenplay is that she had a few family members who suffered from mental, mental health issues and she was trying to incorporate like all the feelings mm. that the family members go through because they're wanting to put their best foot forward and love yeah. the individuals. But at times it can just be oh, just exhausting and, and really, 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 really hard. Yeah. The, uh, the writer is Nancy Oliver. Yes. If you want to yep. look her up, she's, uh, yeah. This was her first screenplay, yeah, I believe she... for a movie before she was a, well, I think she wrote this screenplay, but then it hadn't got picked up to be made into a film. And then she was doing screenwriting for a, a TV show. Hmm. Yeah. And then the director of this film, uh, someone had, I forget, someone had picked up the script and then sent it to the director of this film and say, Hey, you should read this script about this sex doll. And he's like, what, <laughs> <laughs> what is this? About? So no, you should really read it. And he's like, uh, okay, sure. And the director say, he just put on the, the pile of other scripts. And then his friend like called him like a couple weeks later and said, Hey, did you read that script yet? <laughs> no, that that sounds like a weird movie. So no, no, you really need to read it. And the director said he read it. He's like, "Whoa, I was not expecting this at all." <laughs> and he was just blown away by how how good it it was. Yeah, yeah. And I find this really, really interesting. How upset Lars is that she's developing her own life. Mm, yeah. Because and is this kind of like a a dude thing? Is that what they're trying to show? <laughs> that like right. guys, you know, they expect women to be like, and it's part partly has to do with like you know what they see in movies and TV shows. You know, the this kind of uh, pixie dream girl, this fantasy right. woman. Oh, and I love this moment too. So Lars is talking to his brother. And he's like talking about how do you know when you're, you know, when you're an adult, you know, like what is there a right to rite of passage? Is it like when you have sex and his answer, his brother's answer is so good because again, if we're going by the idea that this is a Christian movie, which it very much is, Christians have this weird idea of manhood you know, that doesn't fit into many guys' you know, uh, abilities, I'm going to say. You have to like hunting. You have to like, you know, you have to be tough. And, you know, it, it, like I've, I've been to a couple of those men's, uh, you know, Christian men's retreats. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I didn't fit in. It's not... It's, Save your problem. It's not me. Like I, I, I'm not that guy. So I guess I'm not a good yeah. Christian man because I don't like that stuff. 
and but it's so weird that you know it's especially as when Jesus is the example. And so right. let me see if I remember what he says because I'm I'm reading it here. Uh, when you do what's when you don't do what's right yeah. for you, you do what's right for everyone else, even though it hurts. <sighs> That's what being an adult is. Is That's what, yeah. you know, being a grown up is. You don't jerk people around, you know, and you don't yeah. cheat on your woman and you take care of your family. You know, you admit when you're wrong and you try to anyway. That's all I can think of, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's, it sounds like it's easy, but like it's really it's a lot harder than it sounds, and that's kind of the you know the the notion that men in Christianity have to be tough, they have to right. be aggressive, they have to be they have the, you know the, the they talk about the feminization of 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 men in society, right. which is ridiculous considering how much. You know the UFC and white supremacy and violence and you know <laughs> pornography is permeating. There is right. no feminization of the of men happening in this country, right? Uh, but <laughs> and, but where does a guy like me fit into that in Christianity? If I don't like sports, if I don't like you know if I'm not an aggressive tough guy, but I get complimented constantly about what a good you know counselor i was at at teen camp what you know how i've taught you know i my conservative friends how i taught them so much about you know subjects that they had no idea about because they grew mm. up in the church their whole lives so right. am i not a good christian man because i don't like sports but you know i mean i i feel like i fit in somewhere and I right. think that these guys are kind of misguided in how they view mm. manhood. Yeah. Also, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely f feel that too. Cause I, I've never been macho macho. Yeah. All that, all that, like typical in chick flicks. I, I really, really right. like Safe Haven. That uh, that uh, who the uh, Nicholas Sparks movie. I, I, I don't know why, but I really like it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it's like, yeah. There's been so many like men's events that are like, oh, let's go camping, which I do like camping and everything like that, but it's like let's go camping and be rugged and be men and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, uh, I just want to like go camp out the woods and like hike around and like sit at a lake for three hours and just do stare at nothing, you know, <laughs> and just enjoy God's creation. Yeah. Like I'm not out there to like, Oh, let's go motorbike and like hunt or stuff like that. Like that's just not me. I'm like, let's, Let's just sit here and appreciate the beauty of things and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I've always I've always just felt kind of left out <laughs> in that way, um, because you know so much of it is to wrapped around those ideas of masculinity. And I did like the the brother 
man, like when he says that, it's like, it's, it's like he's coming to the realization that he himself is becoming an adult or became an adult yeah. through this experience with, with Lars. Like all the things that he's saying is like things that he is doing right. with his brother and with his wife. <laughs> and like, just like, just he's, yeah, just living a life of just sacrifice. Like he's got made fun of his friends at work and he's like anywhere they go, they get strange looks and, mm. you know, and he's doing all this stuff with helping bathe Bianca and clothe Bianca and talk to his brother about Bianca and, <laughs> you know, like all these things where like his life you know, is becoming wrapped around his brother and the sex doll mm. and not, you know, not solely around, you know, himself and whatever he's, his wants and desires are. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's this, but, but there's this thing that happens to us as men in these situations. Like, I don't feel like I'm a good enough man because yeah. my wife makes more money than I do. And, mm. you know, and by a lot because she has, she went to college. She has a, you know, she has a degree and she works in finance and I work at a supermarket, you know? And so I feel really, I felt for a long time, felt really insecure. And I was embarrassed to meet her parents because they're going to meet their, you know, their, their, their daughter's bum boyfriend. You know, who do, who can't afford a car, who can't, you know, who, and like, I, I, I'm telling you that the, what made it better is their acceptance of me, is mm. them saying that you make her happy. Right. That's taking care of her. That's what it is right. to take care of our daughter, is that you make her happy and she's happy when she is around you and she, you know, and you take care of her emotionally and you support uh. her and that's it is it, I don't know how that fits into the whole Christian manhood thing, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't check a lot of those boxes just by what I mentioned. Right. I don't make as much money as her. I'm, you know, it took me a long time to buy a car, you know, it's, I, I, I still lived with my, you know, with my mom for a long time, mm -hmm. you know, it's, and so, but I, I met all, all every man has that insecurity. Right. You know, for something, a guy could have, you know, could make more money than his wife and could, you know, have kids and do everything right and still feel incredibly insecure because of what society tells us we have to be. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's really this, I don't know, it, it's, it's this tough thing that men have to deal with. I know that women have it harder. You know, that's the whole you know, notion right. that yes, yes, it is hard to be a woman, but it is also very, very hard to be a man for those reasons. Right. You know, yep. the, 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 at the end of, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep going, but at the end <laughs> of Saving Private Ryan, you know, spoilers, but uh, Tom Hanks is, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an old movie. Tom Hanks dies saving Ryan. And so Ryan goes to visit Tom Hanks's grave and he starts to cry and he asks his wife, was I good enough? Did I live a good enough life? 
because <laughs> he needs to be he saved my life so i had to do something and that's that's in men that idea yep. that am i good enough to have what i have you know and it's so toxic and it's so hard yeah you know i feel like i disappoint my wife and my kids all the time <sighs> And I'm not even just talking like, you know, financially or having material things or anything like that. But just just if I'm having a bad day or I'm not present or I'm like didn't hear my kids trying to get my attention because I was on my phone. And I just feel like that, like like I'm a constant let down to them. Yeah. You know? But and uh, it's and, and you know this, right? Are you though? Like really? No, no you're not. But no. you feel that way. Yes, I still feel the way that I feel. Like it's it, ah, it's so hard. It's ah. Yeah, and it's it's a constant thing. I have to remind myself, and like my therapist points out to me all the time too, <laughs> like. The things that I'm doing with my wife and my kids are like, are things that lots of other men are not doing. You know, Mm. they're not engaging with their kids. They're not being around their kids. They're not like, I have this conversation often with my wife and it's just like, it's crazy to me to think of like guys like, when they're hanging out with their other guy friend, just like bashing on their wives mm-hmm. and like, Oh, I can't believe she's like this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I would like never do that about my wife. Cause like my wife is, I love my wife so much and she's just like so precious to me and I love being around her. I enjoy her so much. And like there are things about her that annoy me. But there's things about me that annoy her too. Yeah, but I know. like that's the... <laughs> but but that's just that's just part of the deal. And we get annoyed with each other at times and we work through it. But like I don't see it as like some huge like character flaw of her. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just like, yeah, that's that's just part of who she is, and we're gonna get in each other's nerves, but like that's marriage. <laughs> like I don't need to go complain about it to my buddies. <laughs> like tell oh, I can't believe my woman and blah blah blah. It's like no, I like absolutely love this woman and I care so much about her. And it's like so confounding to me, that yeah. sort of thinking, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there you go. It's, <laughs> geez, like, like I said, the, the male insecurity is just, it's so powerful and it's, uh, and it's you know again it's confounded in in Christianity I think it's it's that really weird thing that you know to be a man you have to be a particular kind of way, right? Which is like you know the the whole idea of Christianity is be in the world but not a part of it. Don't let the world manipulate you or you know make you think ways that aren't unbiblical. You know, but if I see those retreats a lot of them are based in our society 
Yep. You know, UFC and sports and hunting and that's not biblical. That's you know, that that's social. That's that, that's our society. Right. And you know, and again, nothing wrong like if you are a tough guy, if you are right. aggressive, if you love sports, that's totally great. Right. Because there's a there's a place for that in in our faith. Yep. But if if you're you know, but there's also a space for people who aren't. Right. And I think that's, yeah. That's it. Like when the very challenging parts, I think, in local churches with men and like men's ministries and everything like that is that they go with the cultural default <laughs> mm, yeah. you know and they might you know add other things like you know love your love your wife as christ loves the church and humility and you know and being um you know talking against you know pornography and everything like that um but like for me like i've it's been challenging to find others in you know, the church I was in until very recently, because my church closed, unfortunately, mm. um, to like find others that you are not like in that cultural vein of manhood, you know? Yeah. And um, I've been thankful for like places like social media that it has been able to connect me to other guys and and women too who you know are faithful christians they love jesus they're all about god they're all about loving others but they don't fit you know those american cultural norms of what manhood or womanhood is yeah but they they match what you know jesus is all about and in that, they're, you know, expressing their full femininity, their full masculinity. And I'm just, I'm just thankful that we live in this age, you know, yeah. <laughs> that we're able to like, like reach out to other believers in the faith, even if they're not like in our community. Yeah. You know, we, I can like be with you on this podcast, even though we live hundreds of miles away, even though we're in the same state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because California is so huge. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, that in that way, it's such, you know, like we talked about the dark side of social media, but on the more positive side, you know, it does allow communities of people that wouldn't have found each other because, there's so, you know, few of them in their actual physical area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, online has allowed, you know, these people to like form these communities to say, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not alone in this. There are others who are like this too. And there is a way that you can be faithfully Christian faithful to Jesus and his word and still be hundred percent who you are. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, and like I said, I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I'm like actually working on a book uh, on, uh, it's kind of like a men's guide to style and etiquette, but for uh. Christian men, because I used to write a blog that's, you know, very much about how to, here's how you, how to table manners. Here's, you know, the rules of table manners. Here's how to buy a suit, what you need to know about suits and stuff like mm. that. And I got some pushback from Christian saying that style doesn't matter. You know, I like wearing shorts and flip flops and blah, blah, blah. But I found men who really appreciated my advice because mm. it wasn't me telling them that they have to wear a suit every day or telling them that they have to buy $5,000 suits. It was just, here's like for an average guy, the suits you need. If you want, if you only mm. buy one suit, here's what suit you need to buy. If you want to buy mm. three, here's the ones I would recommend. Here's how to have, you know, if you're going to a nice dinner, here's, here's here are the table manners. You know, if you wear a hat, when to take it off. And, you know, mm. men really appreciated. And again, it's because of the internet. Because I was able to do this online. A schmo like me, who is not famous or popular or a famous writer, was able to create a blog. You know, right. to talk to people who, and, you know, connect with people who really wanted this information. Right. And I think that's, that's part of the way that can re-embody the internet Mm. is that instead of division and attacking and just not seeing it as people behind those those typed words is to actually form relationships with others and have a you know a mutual respect of each other even if there are things that you disagree on i mean there i mean we're each very individuals and there's always things we're always going to disagree on with every single person (laughs) we know and so just being yeah open to that and knowing that's going to happen but also connecting on the things that you you know you do have in common and that then brings in back you know the humanity into the internet yeah and that's what honestly like <laughs> for all the shit that is said about Twitter and how terrible it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, I enjoy Twitter much more than I ever enjoyed Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> because I I get to see so many and engage with so many different people mm. on there. Because Facebook is just kind of like a closed loop. Yeah, And, and you just add, add the people that you know and you're just going to hear from them who are like-minded and Twitter, it's just, it's open and you're going to encounter people either like because someone, you know, follows them and they like their tweet and you see their tweet and you're like, Oh, this person seems interesting. I'm going to follow them. And then you 
get to learn, you know, a bit about them and who they're about and and like you get to have these really, you know, great thought provoking discussions with people, you know, in 280 characters yeah. <laughs> um, that you might not have had like in person right? or might not have had like on a, like a platform like Facebook, you know? Mm. And yeah, I mean, and like right now we're following on Twitter a friend who has COVID and who's in the hospital. Yep. Because, and I, and that's, you know, the devastating thing about this, this infection is that she's in the clear as far as the infection goes, but it did. It's, it's so, it damaged her so much that she's still in the hospital. Yep. Last I heard. And uh, yeah, but we can keep up and like, I'm telling you, like on Twitter, I was like following every, you know, a few times a day to make sure she was okay. Right. And it's, you know, same here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and again, there were call to prayers and, you know, and then thanks for the prayers and stuff, which made you feel good. And I mean, th these connections that we can create with people that, again, and a person I've yeah. never met, you know, right. in person, I haven't met her either. <laughs> just talk to over the internet. But, yep. you know, and I, yeah, it would, these, these connections that you make with people are so powerful, you know, because again, this world is so huge, but it's right. so, it makes the world a lot smaller because we are so well connected with people that we wouldn't otherwise have known. Right. And just, yeah, like I've never met her either, but when, I, when she tweeted out the news about it and her her situation her like situation with COVID worsening like my because I know her like through the internet like personally know her through that mm -hmm. like it just like my heart like was just sinking and like yeah. I'm like and like I was on the verge of tears and like my wife and I have been constantly in prayer with her and like I you know, give my wife updates on how she's doing. And it's just crazy because I've never met her ever in person, <laughs> you know, but like, because of, like you said, like, because of the internet, like we are connected. And because of that, like, like I care for her, I care for her family. And like, it's just amazing that like, there's this community of believers that a lot of them have never met her in person ever, mm -hmm. but there's just a tons and tons of people that are praying for her and for her family right now. Yeah. And that's just such a, a beautiful, beautiful thing that yeah. all these people, that's, that's the church being the church yeah. <laughs> right there. <laughs> and like, like saying, like, I care about you. Like we've had conversations online. We've never met in person, but, I care about you and let's all gather together and pray that God heals your body. Yeah. And like a lot of these people in like this, this film with Lars, like it's friends with him in the world, <laughs> you yeah. know, like how deeply do they know him or they just know him on a surface level. 
yet they're still they're still loving him. Yeah. Even though they don't know him like at the deepest levels possible, you know, they're still <laughs> loving him because they care about him. They're like, you're my friend. Yeah. 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 If you're, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, we kind of went on, which happens on this podcast. <laughs> this is, this, this always happens where we go off on a, you know, and we just completely, you know, forfeit the movie, but that's fine. But, uh, Lars says, you know, he will, you know, the, his brother and sister-in-law heard him screaming from her room, from Bianca's room and saying that she was unconscious. And so, an ambulance came to pick her up <laughs> to take her to the hospital and they brought her in as if she was, you know, a person and gave her a hospital room. This community went that far for him, which is just completely radical. Yeah. It's just and, insane. Right. But that's the thing is that you were mentioning the, how you wish that this would happen in real life, but you don't think it would. And a friend of mine was talking about the dark Knight. At the end, when, again, spoilers for The Dark Knight, I'm sorry if you haven't seen it, but uh, the Joker says that he put a, a bomb in Gotham, and so he, everyone evacuates. They put a bunch of the citizens into one cruise ship, and they put all the prisoners from Arkham in another cruise ship, and then he, the, you know, there's an announcement that Joker makes saying that actually the, the both cruise ships are you know, are booby trapped to explode and the other boat has the detonator. So, you know, <laughs> so either the, the citizens of Gotham have to kill all the prisoners from Arkham or the prisoners of Arkham have to kill all the, you know, the people, <laughs> the citizens of. <laughs> and so a prisoner goes up to the guard who has the detonator and says, give it to me, just give it to me. I'll tell them that, you know, you can tell them that I, that I, that I hit you, just give it to me. And he gives the guy gives the the detonator to the prisoner, and the prisoner throws it at the window, essentially dooming them. And the mm. people in the the citizens of Gotham, you know, they say, "I'll push the button, I'll do it," because they're going to kill us, so we have to push it. And so the a guy takes the detonator, and he can't do it. He can't bring himself to kill. You know, a, mm. a boat full of, and that would never happen. And a, a friend of mine drives him nuts. He said people wouldn't do that. Prisoners would not do that. And I'm like, I know, but that's the magic of film. That's what movies do. Is it? Te it shows us what we should do. Right. You know, and and it's a better world in these. You know, in in these films, and it's the world we want to live in. And it's an example of how we should be. And this is one of those examples. You know, how they, they helped Lars through this, you know, through his mental illness. Right. And he's not better, but he's better than he used to be. And he realized how much people actually love him. You know, which, which was probably driving some of his anxiety and fears and is he he felt that he was afraid of going out into the world because of how he might be treated or something. And this whole experience led him to realize how much people actually care for him. Right. And again, it could, could it happen in real life? Probably not, but we'd like to think that we would. 
So. <laughs> so yeah. So that's um, yeah. yeah. Huh. So, anyways, this we, is. Go ahead. Uh, I love movies like this. Yeah. Where the character like changes is transformed for the better. Mm-hmm. And it, even if it's like in just some small way. Yeah. Uh, that like that, they completely transform. Mm. But it, there's definitely movement in Lars's life and how he's gone out from his shell to interacting with others. And yeah. Oh, this is just a great movie and a great example of Christian love. Yes, it's again because it doesn't make Christians look bad, right? You know, it's it's very much he's an evangelical Christian. He goes to a church. They're all Christians, and they all love each other, and they all love him, and it's it's just great, right? And it's showing like. This is how Christians loving looks. Mm. This is this is how it looks in real life. It's messy. Yeah. You do things you do things you never thought you would do. Right. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable. But this is what it looks like. Yeah. It's and again, for people who ch- don't know that they're loved. Right. And they're not even realizing that that's what you're doing is loving them. Mm. Not even aware that you're of all that you're doing. Yeah. And and still still loving anyways, even without getting the recognition. <laughs> it's I mean incredibly difficult thing to do. Yeah. Because it's it's so much easier to love when we're we're getting something back out of it, but to love selflessly, whew. that's yeah, that's that's the tough part. That's the tough yeah, that's the tough part. To love in a way where you don't you're not getting a benefit from it. I mean that's, I mean that's the example we have. Like we ha- we are following in with Jesus because that's what he did with his entirety of his life and his death, and his resurrection. Yeah. Is he laid down all his love for us, even though we sure as hell did not deserve any of it. Yeah. We just—he could have just come with the sword and say, <laughs> "We're gonna do a new Noah's flood." Yeah. But instead of the flood, I got my sword, and I'm just gonna. Whoo. <laughs> yeah. But instead, yeah, like he throughout his just his life, he just fell on the sword over and over and over again, and that's just insanely nuts yeah. that God would do that for us and that you know he expects the same of us yeah yeah 
<sighs> so there you go. Lars and the real girl. Thanks so much for being, being a part of this. This was, again, this is a great episode. I'm so, yeah. I'm so glad we got to do it. Yeah, me too. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, any, anything else? Did you want to mention anything else before we go? Maybe, uh, yeah, I think I'll post your blog on the, uh, on the Facebook page and on the Twitter when okay. that comes out. So sweet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so there you go thank yeah. you so much for being here and yeah. uh thanks you guys for listening out there i hope you enjoyed the movie if you're watching along or just listened liked our conversation i certainly enjoyed having it so uh anyways as always i'm never good at uh at endings it's really <laughs> hard for me so uh as <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good either. So, yeah. Okay. As always, thank you guys for listening. And next time, I'll see you at the movies. Uh, movies. <laughs> I, I, whatever. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. You've been listening to the Commentarians podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.